0: This is a podcast that covers leadership, relevant hot topics, encouragement, stories, and the future of the church. We're real, raw, relevant, and have a ridiculous amount of fun. Now, let's get into today's episode of Unscripted with IMF.
1: So, today we're talking to Javon Ruff, the campus pastor of Free Chapel in Spartanburg, and he served at Free Chapel for the past 21 years you want to tell us a little bit about your what you're doing here javon
2: um yes um i am as as you said 21 years at free chapel spartanburg uh uh, i mean i'm sorry at free chapel in its entirety but um (laughs) four years here at spartanburg uh campus Uh, my wife and i two kids uh, two teenagers jacob and sydney and um, Sydney being my oldest. And um, I've had the privilege of serving this ministry. Matter of fact, this makes the 22nd year that I've been a part of Free Chapel and serving this ministry, Um, um, but only four years in the campus pastor role at this particular campus. But prior to this, I was in Orange County at that campus as campus pastor for 10 years. And so um, I started out at the Gainesville campus. Um, uh, Matter of fact, I was Actually, what I like to say, say for real at the Gainesville campus, if I could use those terminology and um, grew up around church, you know, kind of the uh, did church. You know, that's what we did. And um, um, but uh, of course, you guys would know there's a difference between having a relationship with Christ and, and just going to church. And so uh, just to kind of give you um, an idea of what got me to free chapel and kind of landed me even in ministry, um, I came to Free Chapel, you know, 21 years, 22 years ago, a broken young man, um, looking for uh, purpose, looking for hope, looking for help. Um, as I said, I grew up around church, had attended church, but um, not really understanding what it meant to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And and even no, I knew the church language. I knew the church lingual. I could even quote you a few scriptures and tell you some stories but um it was all head knowledge and 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 i was later to only find that out when as i began to get older and begin to face challenges and temptation and as you know life happens to us all and um kind of fast forward i ended up uh, when i walked in the doors at free chapel uh, 22 years ago i was addicted to several drugs um, I was addicted and I'm just going to be very candid and open, um, um, on this podcast. And, um, I promise I won't embarrass you or anything like that, but I think it's, an, I think it's important that, and for, you know, for people to understand, cause oftentimes people see you and you're now, and they don't understand oftentimes there's a story behind that. And, uh, but I came in, I was, I was on cocaine. I was doing ecstasy. I was doing acid. I was doing what they called prank, which is a type of meth at that time. I smoked two and a half packs of cigarettes. I smoked marijuana. And I said, and I was drinking and all at the same time. And that's how I walked in the door. I walked in the door broken, hurting, um, looking for hope, looking for purpose, um, a lot of internal pain and from childhood upbringing, uh, just. Uh, traumatized by life and so many different things. So was really looking for hope. Matter of fact, I actually attempted taking my life and failed at that um, prior to that moment. But um, 22 years ago, as I walked into a service at Free Chapel, um, uh, sitting in, in the top balcony in the last seat, um, as I said, knew about church and all of those things. But it was that day that something was different. It wasn't the norm. It wasn't the usual. It wasn't just church, and that was the day I had a radical—I want to say—encounter with God um, in the church. That's a pretty good side. It seemed like I had a one-on-one with the pastor at that time, which was Pastor Jensen Franklin. And if I ever felt that God was speaking to me directly in such a unique and specific way, it was then, and it was in that service 22 years ago that I fell um, under the conviction. Of a loving, forgiving God who gave his son Jesus Christ, that I began to see was more than just attending a building, more than just singing a few songs, more than just being able to quote a few scriptures and know Bible stories. At that moment, I realized that I could have a real relationship. He cares. I felt that care. I felt that love. It was in the form of conviction. And it, it was in that service that. God, through his son, by his power, by his spirit, delivered me and set me free. Every chain of addiction, the brokenness, the hurt and pain, God met me in that altar that day and radically saved my life. And I want to say this, um, I firmly believe in, in counseling. I believe in programs that help people move forward and things of that sort. Uh, and I don't say this carefully, but it wasn't my story. And that altar that day when I surrendered, and my words were, God, if you are really real, I need to know for myself. Um, I I know mama has told me and grandma taught me, but I need to know you for myself. If you're really real, show me, I need to know. And that was the cry of my heart. Um, And it was then that God met me there in my moment of brokenness, of hurt and pain, I did not go through a program. I did not go through rehab. I did not go through any of those. I'm not against those, but my story is was a radical encounter, almost my own Damascus Road. And for that moment when I got up from that altar, I never, and I can say never, looked back or turned back. I never fell back into any of those bondages. I never, you know, uh, touched them ever again. And I can say ever, God did a radical change in my life. And it was from that point that I realized that I had to live for something more than just Javon. And I knew that the hope, the help, the healing, and that void that I tried to fill with so many things was now being filled with a man named Jesus Christ who died at a place called Calvary and has now given me life and life more abundantly.
1: Wow, that's awesome! So, you said something in there that still strikes me. You said you show everyone knows us for our now, but they don't know us then. So, yes, uh, and you, you know, you just talked about your then, your then episode, and now, as a pastor, um, most people would say, "Wow, you know, you pastor this huge campus, a huge church, and you're part of an awesome ministry, and you're developing leaders and all that stuff." So let, let's go back to the then just for a minute and say, yeah. what after you gave your life to Christ and you had this Holy Spirit moment when God just made this radical internal change in you, how did you uh, develop as a leader uh, in this church? Now, I say this because uh, this is such a key part of, of your story. It's that you gave your life to Christ and then you began to develop in ministry. And a lot of us, especially as leaders, uh, we see people in their teens and twenties. I just want to encourage you, senior pastors and leaders, do not write people off ever uh, in this age bracket because you never know when God is going to get a hold of them. Uh, but oftentimes, we, you know, we—I don't think any pastor would say this, but it kind of—it's on how you show it. In the, you know, uh, I'm not going to really invest in them, or, you know, I don't know, I, you know, we'll just see what God does, and you know, you just kind of we back off. But how can we as leaders? Lean into it. So tell us a little bit about how did you develop as a leader in the church?
2: Well, and I'm glad you asked that because uh, it wasn't that I got up and started pastoring (laughs) for sure. There was a process. And the first thing I had to do, um, if you want to say, I I disconnected and reconnected just to give it practical thought. And what that meant was I had to disconnect from old relationships, Mm -hmm. old hangout groups. Um, old friends, if I could use that terminology, and even old places, uh, because those were the connections, those were the associates and the friends that I was living this lifestyle with. And I knew at that moment that, number one, as as radical as the encounter was, I was not strong enough to go back into those environments and be bold and say, "I, I have it all. I knew I was changed and transformed. So I had to disconnect. And I want to say this, even in that disconnect, it was lonely because when you have traveled and hung out and did life with a group of guys, and even though it was not the best lifestyle, there was some real friendships there. There was some camaraderie there. You know, we, we held each other down. We were brothers li- just living the wrong way. And so I had to disconnect. And even in the disconnect, I want to be honest, there was a season, John, you know, and, and Bill, that I was lonely. I was lonely and that was tough because when you come out of something like that and you have to start transitioning it a lot, I had to uh, really try to process a lot of that mentally. But here's the beauty of being, when I say disconnect, but connected to a local church and to the body of Christ, because I did disconnect from that group of, 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 of guys, but I reconnected with a new group and it became a discipleship group. I connected with other men in the body of Christ, because at that point in time, yeah, I'm a new believer. I'm born again. But it's like it's like buildings um, here here where we are on 85 major distribution buildings are going up. But it's it's amazing to see how they put up those cement walls. But when they first put them up, they don't stand on their own. They have these, these extensions, these scaffolding that holds them up, you know, and then they have to be held up for a certain amount of time until they get solidified in their place. Well, that's what I had to do. That's what that men's group was. It was my scaffolding. I needed scaffolding. I was standing up, but I wasn't still strong enough to do life on my own. And when I decided to get involved in a discipleship group where other brothers, older men, some of my age that I could begin to glean from and learn from, Teaching me how to read the Bible, how to open up the scripture. I begin to see examples on how to pray. That was the beginning of the process. And I want to, I want to, that's the importance of discipleship. Oh my goodness. That is the, I, I could have never did it on my own. It was when God brought other men in my life and I chose to disconnect and reconnect and then submit to the process. Mm-hmm. Have, have a spirit of vulnerability humility and teachability, I definitely don't know it all. And I need help and the willingness to say I need help. And my heart was after I had this encounter was what can I do? Because I want people to experience the same thing that I experienced. And so um, the church during that time, um, uh, our church free chapel was at a former location. And um, in that location, the church was on a pretty significant hill. And if you Got there late, you parked that far down there and you would have to walk up that hill. And that was the one thing that came to my mind. You know what? If anybody has to walk up that hill, I want to make it easy and I want to make it as as smooth as possible. I can't, I can't tear the hill down, but I sure can smile at them and greet them and make it a pleasurable experience. So the first place that I served was in the parking lot and it was my goal to be the best parking attendant that existed at any church
0: ever. IMF staff and your peers want to see you in Scottsdale, Arizona this June. Receive valuable training unique to your profession from instructors that face the same joys and hardships that you do. If you're a military or civilian chaplain, training specific to you will be from June 19th through the 23rd. If you're a pastor, missionary, or parachurch worker, Training specific to you will be from June 21st to the 23rd, and everyone will be together for an incredible ordination service and worship service. Meet the IMF staff, network with each other, and go home better equipped with content exclusive to our members. Register by going to imfserves.org and clicking on the menu button.
3: Okay, well, this is Bill Goodwin here, and I'm just so loving listening in on this conversation with you, Pastor Javon and Pastor John. We are uh, listeners, we're listening to uh, Pastor Javon Ruff from Free Chapel, Spartanburg. He's a campus pastor under Jensen Franklin, and we're just so looking forward to uh, having you at our IMF Chaplains Training Event in Scottsdale. And you're a keynote speaker. And uh, tell us a little bit about your heart for those serving as chaplains.
2: Absolutely. Um, I, I have a huge heart for pastoral care and caring for people. Um, that's actually where I started in ministry was being a care pastor. And um, and I believe when, when you think about a chaplain, the first thing that, that comes to my mind is present, the ministry of present. Ability to be there with people. Um, I realize sometimes that I've I've come to understand in ministry that people will forget my sermons, they'll forget my teachings, they'll forget services. But what they don't forget is those times that you were there with them. They don't forget the times where you were by a hospital bedside, they don't forget about times where you were um, at funerals. You know that whether it's the their birthing coming into the world or as a funeral them leaving the world, being there at their lowest point in times. When I, I think when I think of a chaplain, I think of presence and also think of compassion. I don't think you can be an effective chaplain if there's not a heart of compassion. Compassion is huge. You know, you look at uh, Jesus. I think we could say that his ministry was marked by compassion. And um, actually, the scripture said when he saw the the multitudes like sheep having no shepherd, they were hurting, they were broken, they were going through tough times. And the scripture said he was moved with compassion Mm -hmm. and and he healed them all. And so when I think about chaplains, I think about the ministry of presence, the power of being there for people. I think about uh, uh, individuals who have a heart of compassion. That, that believes that they can make a difference in helping an uh, uh, individual. Um, when I, when, can I just talk about that compassion component because I'm really oh, man. passionate about Please, that. Because
3: as, I, as I hear you say this, it just reminds me of the phrase we're all familiar with, that people don't uh, care what you know until they know that you care. And that's what Absolutely. you're talking about here. It's just ministry of presence. Yeah, I just see you just, you're just like lighting up. So tell, <laughs> tell us more, go for it. Just, just let it come out. Do
2: it. go yeah, for it because when i think about it is you know uh, compassion when you think about it 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 comes to where people are no matter where they are it's willing to come i the, one of the greatest stories i think about is the good the good samaritan you know the the guy that fell among thieves and the bible said he went to where he was i love that story and a person of compassion as a chaplain i think it's important that we realize that we have to be marked by compassion, because we're required to go where people are. It's right. never our role to tell them to come up to where we are. We're constantly going to where they are, whether that they could be, you know, in a hospital, it could be, um, depending on what area, if you're in the military, it could be, you know, out on, on the battlefield, or it could be, if you're a law enforcement chaplain, it could be, on the theme of a horrible situation or a tragedy, but I think it's actually the compassion, the willingness to go where people are and meet them there. Meet them there in their time of hurting, meet them there in their time of brokenness, meet them there when they need someone most. And when I think about it is, um, I'll just stay on that story a little bit because that's what I, I love. Because if you know, we could look at the good Samaritan as being a type of chaplain. I mean, I I, I think you could, you know. Um, yeah. But and and the wilderness was he's a good, he was a good Samaritan that one of the things I think about is he went to someone who was out of covenant or someone who was totally different, let's use it in our term, a different culture, a different race, a different background, or even a different belief. And, And sometimes I've had to deal with situations, they weren't Christian. But I realized that I am there to represent Christ in a way. I am there as an ambassador, but what I believe about compassion, it breaks down barriers, but it also builds bridges. It breaks down when when someone's moved with compassion, you see them as a person, you see them as a human being, you see them as one of God's creation, despite what they think, feel, maybe even what their beliefs are at the time. At that moment, when I've been called to that moment, I am there because I see them as a person, I see them as a human being, and I see them needing help, and I don't justify whether or, or, or try to justify whether or not my services to them or to serve them is based upon they look like I do, uh, they believe like I do, they dress like I do. No, this is what I'm called to do. As a chaplain, I'm a compassionate person that believes that my compassion can, you know, break barriers, you know, but also build bridges. You know, Um, when I think about, you know, the good Samaritan, one of the things is always think about that, uh, let me put it this way: compassion do- doesn't just have like like sight, and mm-hmm. compassion has vision. And let right. me just say this: mm-hmm. let, we, we talked about in a, in a, in a part of our our discussion. Um, you actually said, you know, John, you said you're mm-hmm. now versus you're next. You know, you're where you are now, but where you were. You know, your were, your past. And I think as chaplains, when we have hearts of compassion, we have to operate not just with sight, but with vision. In other words, our sight shows us where they are, but vision allows us to see what they could be. You know, if you were to saw me 22 years ago, if you were to saw me, sight would have said he's an addict. He's a junkie. He's messed up. He's tore up. Look at his life. I mean, look at the guy. The guy's got tongue ring. He's got earrings. I did have all that. I mean, he you know, he looks like he could be Dennis Rodman's brother at the time, you know, or whatever. And if you only saw me or see me with your eyes and not have vision for me with your heart, you missed an opportunity to be used by God to have a radical impact on the individual's life. And when you have compassion, God, God, help me not just to see the person. But maybe help me to see the purpose that you have in the person. And I think if you're compelled by that, it'll change even the way that you treat people. You know, the Apostle Paul, you know, he, he was seen as an assassin, but God's vision was that he would be an apostle. Right. Many people only saw him as a murderer, but God's vision was he would be a missionary. You know, right. many only saw Peter as being unstable, but God's vision was that he'd be a solid guy that'd even suffer one day. And so if when you have compassion, I, I'm always praying, God help me to see with your eyes. You know, the apostle Paul said that he said to pray that our eyes of understanding would be enlightened. And I don't think he was talking about the eyes in our head. He was saying the eyes in our heart. That's right. right? That is right. so good! Oh
3: my gosh, Javon, I am getting so lit up right now. I'm so excited <laughs> for our chaplain training event and that you will be uh, there speaking. I just, I right. just feel myself. I'm sure others that are listening right now are just feeling lighter and feeling lifted. Uh, right. You're a lifter, and and uh, and I love that because you'll be uh, uh, coming and pouring into the leaders these these chaplains that are part of our IMF family and uh, and then the ministry that you will be pouring into them will be multiplied as as they go out. A question for you, because you know ministry is is there's a lot of blessings and rewards that come along the way, but it's also hard and it's discouraging and it's exhausting at times. And um, ha- have have you had had a time where you were just you know depleted and, and exhausted from ministry? And then second what would you say to someone listening right now that is maybe in that stage where th- they're feeling lighter and lifted as they listen to you but they are maybe in a season of a little bit of discouragement what would you say to them
2: absolutely uh yes i want to say yes there has been there has been times of weariness there has been times of discouragement and frustration and 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 I don't want to. I don't want to spill it. I, and it, I'm, I'm excited to ask this question, and I'll tell you why I because that's kind of been on my heart of the direction that I'm going to be sharing, you know, at the conference. oh, good, yeah, yeah, give and, a teaser and, here. Let's do it. And, and 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 because because this was the state that all found Timothy in a young minister, a young guy who was pouring into people, and he, he was in a hard time. He was in a discouraging time. He was during a time that it was just unruly under Nero. Christians were being persecuted. Uh, people was leaving his church. Leaders were walking out on them. People were questioning um, even their belief. And many began to renounce for the sake of the persecution that they were going through. Now, here's the young Timothy saying, what am I going to do? And this is where this letter to the apostle uh, from the Apostle Paul to a young mentee or discouraged, in this case, let's say chaplain, because, you know, he was serving people. Let's just say a discouraged, because he was. When we read the text that that, that Peter says this, he said, I stir up, Paul said to him, I stir up the gift of God in you, which means I fan the flame. Well, if you fan a flame, it means it's potentially has dwindled or gone out. Mm -hmm. So Timothy's fire had dwindled. And then he said this. He said, "He said God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love power. In other words, could it be that now Timothy's a bit afraid? His his, his his fire has dwindled. He's dealing with some fears. He's fighting the discouragement and the frustration of the environment he's in, the very people that he's been given his life to now walking out on him. But the Apostle Paul, I, I love this. And this is, this is what I feel. If I'm honest, I feel that my assignment— when I come to IMF, is to bring this type of uplifting and encouragement. It's really on my heart. And the mm-hmm. Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, listen, I'm going to stir up the gift. And let me just say this. I'm going to go backward, go forward. What do you do in this time? I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't isolate. You don't pull away. Mm-hmm. You don't get by yourself and, and, and hear me and have a pity party. Notice Paul said, I stir it up. In other words, I've got to have somebody who's in your life to stir it up. Who who can you call to stir it up? Who can you say, uh, be open enough? Because I believe Timothy was very honest. And and he didn't think by being honest that it made him less of a chaplain. I'm going to use that word. It's okay to say I'm weary. It's okay to say I'm weak. It's okay to say I'm discouraged, but it's what I do when I admit it. So he was able to find another brother that says, I see that you're going through. That's why the scripture says the strong bears the infirmities of the weak. One one translation says strength is for service, not for status. Isn't that good? That God gave you a strength. (laughs) The strength that he gave you is for service. Because there's, there's going to come a time that we have to bear one another's burdens and stir it up. And I'm believing that that's what's going to happen at IMF. It's going to be a big stirring. We're, I believe not Javon, but God, his presence and his word, right. and, and the camaraderie of the chaplains coming together. That's going to be a stirring. And if there right. have been some flames that have dwindled in Jesus' name, they're going to burn brightly again. If there's some fear that has settled in, we know that God has not given them a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Soundness is coming back and peace is coming back because we're going to come together and we're going to stir the embers again. We're going to lock arms, encourage one another, pray for one another. And and I I, I just want to say this: this will not be the normal. This would not be the usual. I believe that God is going to do something unique this year that is really going to minister to every chaplain and actually every person that is there. I sent that. And the Apostle Paul, he said this, he said, if you're going to make it, I know you're discouraged. How am I going to come out of this? How am I going to get through this? Because he said, the faith that's in you, he goes, I, I I, want to remind you that there's a call in your life. Mm-hmm. I want to remind you, matter of fact, it's generational. I want to remind you there's a list of this, a divine investment inside of you. And if you sit down, understand that what God put in you, others are connected to, and mm-hmm. oh, and the fact that you've been called into this chaplaincy was not to just give you a title or position or something to do, because mm-hmm. the purpose in you, God always uses to connect to other people. And Timothy, chaplain, you can't sit down, you can't, you can't stay down. Because could it couldn't be that if you stay down, somebody else won't get up.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Could it you know, be
2: that if you don't go ahead.
1: No, I you know, that as a pastor uh myself, you know, that'll preach. Like I I've got like four sermons out of just what you just said.
3: <laughs> and uh
1: I I am looking forward to hearing you. And I just I sense in my spirit, God is gonna do something great at our conference. And we do know this. That uh, you know, we come from our travels come from all over the world, and some are coming. I mean, some are barely going to be there. They they're broken and they're at the end, and they've you know had family situations and work life stuff and all the politics. And I I really believe that God has given mm-hmm. you a message to speak and to breathe life into these guys. And you did touch on something that that is is huge. I want to I want to go back to this part. And we've been talking about this for a while, uh, but it's about not just pastoring your church, but it's pastoring your community. And a lot of uh, our pastors, and, you know, they might have some small works. Maybe they have 50 or 100 people in their church. Um, And and we've really been over the last year saying, hey, look, don't just look at your church. How can you pastor your community? Because when you pastor your community, it changes things. It changes your perspective. And as a chaplain, you are truly pastoring your community. You're not just pastoring a church, which you do, but you, as you volunteer as a chaplain with uh, with the Spartanburg County Sheriff, you're pastoring your community. Tell me, um, you spoke about compassion before, but say, what What is the one motivation that that you continue to chaplain and pastor your community? What motivates you to do that?
2: Well, um, I'm glad you used the, the, the context of pastoring in the church because it's real easy to get caught up in that and uh, to get sequestered, you know, behind the four walls of the church. But I often make this statement and I said, there's a difference between being a church in the community and a community church. Because you can be in the church in the community by location, but are you in the community by impact? and there's a difference. And so I want to be a church, a community church, not just a church in the community. Because I believe that that outside of the four, we're called to all people. And I here's the reality. Your church is actually the community because the people normally that comes from your church come comes to your church comes from the community. And how important it is to show that because I believe the, the the Bible tells us this and teaches us this that we're called we're ambassadors of Christ and we're ministers of reconciliation and we're here to advance the kingdom of God and I believe once again the chaplaincy I'll go back to compassion we are to go to where those are and what being and and, and let me just say this being a part of Sparkburg County Sheriff's Department it has increased let me say this it has creased my heart. It is uh, uh, my compassion because, let me. We have a saying, and in, in, in it says this: as a chaplain, and especially those who who are pastors. Here it is. Are you ready? When you think about the church and you think about the community, we say it like this: you have one foot at the cross, and sometimes one foot in the crap, and you're you got to manage the tension between. between. But but being a community volunteer and servant it has opened up my eyes because we can get used to church we can get accustomed to the church thing but what do you what what it has done for me it has actually caused me to grow more in my relationship with god and expand my heart for different types of people especially wow. people that don't believe like you believe And it gives you different perspectives. It's brought a humility. It's brought a a greater appreciation and gratitude, and not only for um, the the people in the community, but actually the law enforcement too, because we serve them too and their families. And and this is and and can I say that this is important because I think if we're not careful, um, we always see. Our, I'll use this context, the law enforcement always out working for others and forget that they are people too. Mm-hmm. We forget that they're husbands too, their wives too. And that's the thing that really drew me. I, I want to say this, that is the community, but my heart for them. Because in, in a time that we're living in where law enforcement can just be beat upon and talked about and 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 things of that sort and and we know there's 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 issues and things like that, but for the most part, I see them as fathers too, I see them as wives too. I see them as people just like I am. Let me just throw this in here it when you when you're full of compassion, compassion will always remember the compassion that it received, and it makes you more compassionate. I remember where I was, I remember how messed up I was and jacked up I was. <laughs> and so my heart goes out to those individuals and to see them once again as people. And, um, I'll give you an, give you an instance. We, we, um, um, we had a situation where, um, just one of our, our deputy's daughter and this is public knowledge, so, you know, uh, battling major illness and, 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 just, you know, how doctors bills and all that stuff. Well, what we decided to do was let's get together and let's come together and involve the community in a way that we just did a fundraiser and we sold barbecue and that all the proceeds would actually go to that deputy and his family to help with those bills. Wow. But but it was dual because the community got involved in it too. and 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 what we wanted to show as chaplains that we care about you but we also care about the ones that are caring about you, too. And that, that if we work together, there's reciprocity in it. Does that make sense? I hope i That is Absolutely. Yeah, cool.
3: That is yeah, so that's... fantastic. Go ahead, John.
1: So uh, as we wrap this up, what word of encouragement do you want to give our listeners today? Because you, you've encouraged me, and I know Bill has said that, too. You've been an encouragement Absolutely. to him. Absolutely. So what, uh, what word of encouragement you want to give our chaplains, our parachurch workers, our missionaries, our pastors? What do you want to say uh, to them right now?
2: I'll say this, and it is scriptural based. And the Apostle Paul, it's in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Here it is. And know that your labor is not in vain. He also said in another place that the Lord will never forget your labor of love. Chaplaincy is labor of love. And what I, when he said your labor is not in vain, one translation says even to the point of exhaustion. I want to encourage every listener. Hear me when I say this: Your service has not been in vain. Your words of encouragement has not been in vain. Your prayers have not been in vain. The text, the phone calls, you being there has not been in vain. And sometimes the labor that you give, the, the impact is not always initially apparent and obvious. But understand there is no harvest without seed. And every time that you've made yourself available, every sacrifice that you've made, For some of you, there's times you've had to be away from family. There's times you've had to be up long hours. There's major sacrifices, even to to the extent of your own health sometimes. But the word of encouragement, your labor has not been in vain. And the Lord has not forgotten your labor of love. And he will reward you. And so as the scripture says, be not weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing good. The Bible didn't say we wouldn't get weary. He's saying don't stay in a state of weariness. But don't get tired of doing good. Because in due season you will reap a harvest if you faint not. And I'm declared today, you will not faint, for you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And when we come together at IMF, we're going to lock arms. We're going to stand with each other. And we're going to, I believe God is going to refresh us all together. I believe he's going to strengthen us all together. I believe that there's coming a great renewal. You know why? Because he needs us on the battlefield. There are communities that need us. There are are families that need us. There are cities that need us. And so I believe that we're coming together. We're going to be recharged. We're going to be recommissioned. The fire is going to be kindled again. I believe God It's going to give us fresh instructions, and I can't wait to talk to you about how to be a dedicated soldier, a Mm. disciplined athlete, and a diligent farmer. I'm going to talk to you about that because those are the three things that the Apostle Paul said to Timothy. If you're going to have the mindset to make it. If you're going to continue to be a chaplain in these unsettling times, and you're going to have, to, and you're going to maintain a spirit of resilience, you're going to have to have the dedication of a soldier, the diligence of an the 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 discipline of an athlete, and the diligence of a farmer. I can't wait to see you there.
3: My goodness, my goodness. Well, we are so looking forward to having that. That's wonderful encouragement. We all need that today. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to uh, our leaders of our chaplains within IMF, uh, uh, Tony Duck and uh, Ron Brovold. I've been putting together with all of our team an incredible chaplain training event, and you've been listening to Pastor Javon Ruff. Thank you, Javon, for the, the, the the hearing your backstory, hearing these words of encouragement that have really lifted us today on this episode of the podcast. I know that. Pastor John and I are encouraged. And so those listening, June 19th to the 22nd, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, our chaplain training event, and then overlapping with that starting on Wednesday, June 21st to the 23rd is our general membership conference. And uh, chaplains, you are invited to stay over an extra day, stay through the 23rd, uh, the morning time. Uh, as we, uh, as we conclude that week, but we're going to have an incredible time. Go to our website and make sure you get registered right away. And, uh, Pastor, thank you for being our guest on this, on this episode of the podcast. I'm Bill Goodwin. It's been a joy to be with our president, Pastor John Brayland, and, uh, co-hosting this together today. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. Please like and share this podcast. We at IMF are here to serve those who serve others in frontline Christian ministries. And our website, again, is imfserves.org. You matter and you make a difference. Pastor John, any final comments as we conclude today?
1: No, that's good stuff. And I'm just grateful, Pastor Javon, for you being here with us today and all the insights that you bring. And I am looking forward to the conference when we get to hear this message unpacked even more. And it is absolutely timely for today. So thanks for being with us, listeners. We love you guys. We're glad that you are here, and we hope that we can build you up as a leader and as a fellow servant of God.
0: Thank you for listening today. If you found value in this episode, be sure to subscribe and share it with others. Don't miss the next one. We release new episodes every first and third Thursday of the month. We serve those who serve others in frontline Christian ministry. So for more information, visit us at imfserves.org.
2: How about you, millennials? How about you, boomers? How about you? We, we're going to communicate differently to different age mm-hmm. groups. So as you think about ministries, sit down with one of those demographics and say, "How would we reach your cohort, your generational cohort?" And then go to through each one. It was so much fun. We got brilliant ideas that I would yeah. not have come up with on my own. So yes, it's fun.
3: yeah, those are really great practical things to try to help us get from where we are to where we want to want to be. So. I just want to thank you so much for uh, this great conversation. I know it's sparking a lot of thoughts, and uh, I know our listeners are going to value greatly from taking time. And uh, so thank you for listening today. I want, to, I want to encourage you, invite you to to like this podcast, to share it with those that uh, could benefit from it. I know that uh, we're just so grateful for the comments that we're hearing on, on recent uh, episodes. I know this is going to be another one where, where friends and family, you're going to want to share this. Uh, and, and get it out there. We want to multiply this m- great message. And, and again, we are we are IMF. We are uh, here to serve those who serve others in frontline Christian ministries. And you can find more about IMF at IMFServes.org. And we want to make sure that you go to the show notes and you'll see the link there for uh, Dr. Elmore's uh, resource here. Tell us, Tim, the uh, website to find more about the book. I know there's an assessment there people can do online. Um, and they can find that at, where's the website?
2: Yeah, you can find the a free assessment to check your, out your generational fluency. Uh, it's simply newdiversitybook.com, newdiversitybook.com. And then you can find me at timmelmore.com and growingleaders.com as well. Wonderful.
3: Well, those are great places for people to go and make sure you get the book, A New Kind of Diversity by Dr. Tim Elmore. And uh, so thank you so much, Tim. It's great to be with you. I look forward to seeing you again soon. And to all our listeners, you matter and uh, you are making a difference. Go make it a ridiculously amazing day. And as always, keep smiling.
0: Thank you for listening today. If you found value in this episode, be sure to subscribe and share it with others. Don't miss the next one. We release new episodes every first and third Thursday of the month. We serve those who serve others in frontline Christian ministry. So for more information, visit us at imfserves.org.